Uh, this week we just want to kind of jump back into these book of Psalms, uh, and we want to look at Psalm 107 today. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, we encourage you to open up to 107. Uh, we want to, uh, this is one of those uh, thankfulness Psalms that is often looked at, uh, and when you uh, happen to find it, you will notice something right above 107. What is the first thing right above 107 in your Bibles? Book five, book V, maybe it says, okay, Roman numeral, book five. Uh, and uh, I wanted to kind of just for a moment, just give us some background on the book of Psalms. It is a compilation. Uh, we are not entirely sure when it was compiled, but based on some of the Psalms that we see, uh, we can kind of assume it was after the exile because uh, some of it is talking about exile. This one uh, might even be hinting at it. And so uh, somebody somewhere, a group of People gathered all these psalms together, and they put them actually in five scrolls or five books. All right? And so when we put them together in our English Bible, uh, we have one book for them uh, instead of five. And so that's where you kind of see book one, book two, book three, book four, book five. This is the last book of the book of Psalms. It goes from 107 all the way to 150. And so I hope that you have found 107 at this point. Uh, here's what it says, starting in verse 1. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. All right, this, is a, uh, this first verse is kind of a standard uh, phrase that you find throughout the book of Psalms. Uh, it pops up all the time. Uh, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. And uh, we kind of talked a little bit about it last week, because last week um, this phrase popped up, it just popped up a little bit differently. And so uh, if you want to go back and hear more in depth about it, uh, you can listen to the sermons at our website, KentuckyRoad.org, or dot, dot org. I almost forgot what the website was. It's on your, on your bulletin. All right, and so if you missed it last week, you can go listen to it there. All right, but I just want to kind of talk a little bit about this phrase here, um, not as in-depth as we did last week because of its importance. It's important uh, to this psalm because this psalm, uh, it opens up with this because it's going to be talking about it. All right? uh, the word thanks uh, in the Hebrew language uh, isn't the way we use the word thanks. When we say thank you to someone, uh, what we're saying is, I appreciate what you just did, right? All right? Thank you for holding the door for me, right? If they bring you a hot cup of cocoa, you say, thank you. All right? or at least we're supposed to teach our kids that, right? All right? We don't always do it, but we say it. Thank you for doing this. All right? and, and we kind of use this word to, to just say, I appreciate that. All right? And so when we read these words in uh, Psalm 107, we think with our English minds, okay, we are giving thanks to God, saying, God, I appreciate what you've done for me. All right? and, and, and while that is kind of what is being said, there's more to it than that. Because in the Hebrew, they didn't have that way of saying thank you. All right? They didn't have a word when somebody does something kind to them that they said in reply. Okay, They didn't say thank you. That's not... That's not, they don't have that word in their language. So when we translate this word thanks, it's really a word that, that deals with confession, all right? Uh, and, and you can confess a couple of different things. One, you could confess your sins, and this word would have been used in this sense. I am uh, confessing my sins, telling you what my sins are, uh, and, and, and that's part of it. But this word here, when we translate it, thanks, what we're talking about is confessing the acts of God in our lives. 
All right, where we're telling people about what God has done for us and to us and helped us. All right, and so this is what this thanks is. It's, it's a praise word. It's I'm giving thanks, I'm praising God because he has done something amazing in my life. <coughs> now this, uh, this phrase that's used it, it is saying there's two reasons why we're giving thanks, and, and it's, one is because of God's goodness, and this goodness is, is in regards to his morality. God is so much more good when compared to anything else. All right, when compared to ourselves, we are in sin, and God is good morally. Right, when we compare it to the world, the world is an evil place, and God is good. All right, so there, part of this thanks, this praise that we're giving God, this admission of who He is, it's recognizing that He is a good God, and it's also recognizing that His love endures forever, and that is a word of covenant. All right, his relationship covenantly with His people is enduring all right, while we may break our covenant vows, while we may sin against God, even though we claim to be Christians, even though we are in this covenant relationship with Him, God still loves us and it endures forever. All right, so that's kind of that phrase, give thanks to God because He is good and His love endures forever. Now this rest of this passage of Psalm 107 is going to talk in more in depth about why we should be giving thanks. And we read uh, in verses uh, two and three, uh, exactly why we are to give thanks and how. And this is what he says. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. And the, uh, this whole idea in this psalm, as we'll see, is going to be centered around uh, these two verses. Okay, We are giving thanks to God, and the way we are giving thanks is by our story. All right? The redeemed of the Lord is encouraged to tell their story. So let, let me ask you this question here. What is your story? See, we live in this culture where we love to tell stories, right? All right we have this thing called a TV, and we turn it on, and oftentimes there are TV shows, right? And every TV show, for the most part, is telling a story. Right? Unless it's the news. The news tells a different type of story. But for the most part, every single show on TV is telling some story. It can be a fictional story. It can be a story based on true events where they change it so it makes it intriguing. Right? It's just telling a story of some sort. And in our society, we love these stories, and we even love these true stories, right? All right there's this uh, movie that just came out called Hacksaw Ridge, uh, and it's a, it's a pretty amazing story once I started to, to look into it. All right? uh, it's about this guy by the name of Desmond Doss, and Doss, he was a conscientious objector, and he was drafted into the army during World War II. And so because he was a conscientious objector, he said he would not even touch a weapon. Right, and so being in the army, being asked to go into battle, and then telling your, your commanding officers, hey, I, I, I'm not going to touch a gun, All right, that, that's a pretty big deal, right? And so they kind of said, okay, you can run into battle without a weapon if you really want to, but you're going to be a medic. All right, and so they, they made him a medic. Uh, he was at the Battle of, of Okinawa, and during that battle, he ended up saving 75 infantrymen 
most of the times going to the front lines and pulling the injured back to the medic barracks where they could help them out. 75 men. He is the only conscientious objector in the history of the United States to receive the Medal of Honor because of what he did there. And it's a pretty cool story. And you know what they did? They took that story and they made a movie. All right? And this movie has fantastic elements. It has special effects. You know, they probably changed a little bit here and there to make it something that people would want to watch. And this is what we've done with stories, true stories, is we've changed them to make them interesting. And it's even happened within the church because we have all these books about people's stories that are shown in fantastic elements. And we get to the point in our own lives where we really don't want to tell our story. And the reason we don't want to tell our story is because it's not nearly as interesting as, as the, their story. It's not nearly as interesting as Desmond Doss. I mean, I don't have the special effects or the background music as I tell my story to people. And so they don't want to listen to it. Or at least we feel they don't want to listen to it. But what we see here in this psalm is, is that the redeemed of the Lord, no matter who they are, need to tell their story. It doesn't matter if your story is fantastic and you're in the deepest, darkest sins and God took you out and brought you out of it, or if your story is just normal. I mean, my story is normal. My mom was a Christian and she took me to church. My dad, he's not a Christian, and, and he still isn't a Christian, and yet my mom took me to church with my grandma, with my brother, and every week we went, even if I was sick. I, I was one of those kids. I was throwing up. Okay, you threw up now? Okay, time to go to church. I, that One of those type of kids, okay? And, and, and I went to church all the time, I, and I learned all the Bible stories, and I remember even one time in, in a fourth grade or so going to this retreat that this other church was, was putting on, and they had this competition where you they asked questions and if you knew the answer you just told them the answer and I ended up winning the person that knew the most about the Bible award I didn't even know I don't even know if that's what the award was called but that's what the award was I, I knew the most about the Bible in fourth grade I and, and and that's just who I was but for me it was all head knowledge you know I was all up here but it wasn't affecting anything else and it wasn't until uh, the summer before my eighth grade year that, that I realized this is, it needs to be more than that. And it was at camp that I saw my camp counselor, who was a preacher at a local church, living a different life than every other camp counselor I'd ever had. You know those camp counselors are not always good people? And, and, and they weren't necessarily living it out this way, but this guy was. And it was amazing to watch him and to have him counsel me and, and, and to follow him. And the preacher at that week of camp, I remember him taking a special interest in me and asking questions about my life that no one else had ever asked. I don't remember a single word that he preached that week. But I remember that that was the week that I decided it needed to be more than what was in my head. And it's where I needed to know that it needed to affect my heart as well. And then we came back from camp, and our, our church had a brand new minister. And this minister, again, first person that took me under his wing and, and had a mentoring relationship with me and actually cared about who I was. You know, that's my story. I wasn't deep in sin. I wasn't living a godly life. But I wasn't synced in these things that we often say are, are way deeper than other things 
others' sins uh, than other sins, all right? But that's my story. And this story needs to be shared because my life before Jesus was definitely different than what it is now after Jesus. And there is nothing in the world that I would ever change in my decision to follow Christ with all that I am. This is my story. What is your story? See, our stories matter. And what this uh, psalmist is trying to get across to the people of Israel is that our stories are not meant to be kept inside. See, we have an entire Bible. We have a number of books that are about people who have encountered God and then told other people about it. I mean, if everyone kept their story to themselves, we wouldn't have these books. We wouldn't be able to go back and read about Job and what Job went through. We wouldn't be able to go back and read about Abraham and Abraham's faith to to go where God had called him to go. We wouldn't even have the stories of the apostles or Jesus or what he did for all of us unless people told their stories. Who have you told your story to? And if the answer to that is, I don't know that I've ever told my story, that's a problem. See, we're told by Jesus to go and to make disciples. And really, the best way to make disciples is not to bring them to church and listen to me preach. All right, That is not the best way for you to make a disciple. The best way for you to make the disciple is to tell them about your life, your story, and how God took you and saved you wherever you were. The best way to make a disciple is to do what the psalmist says, to let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Sometimes I think we are afraid to tell our story maybe because it's not anything special. We, we, it's not like Desmond Doss or these other stories that are told through the movies and told through uh, uh, with these special effects or background music. And because it doesn't reach that level, sometimes I think we're afraid of that. Sometimes I think we're afraid to tell our stories because we are so changed that we don't want people to know about what we used to do. And I think that's just as wrong. Because if anything, showing your story and where how far God has brought you gives glory to God more than anything else. And I guarantee you, if you just share a little bit about your story with your kids, with your friends, with your family, even if you used to do whatever, I don't think they're going to look bad at you. I don't think, don't think they're going to look at you and say, you're a terrible person, all right? I think they're going to be like, wow, God is awesome. And I think that is the entire point that he is trying to get across here. Part of our giving thanks, part of our praise of God is to share the glory of what he has done in our lives. And that's through sharing our story with people. 
So this is the thing that the psalmist is wanting us to do. He's saying, this is how you do it. And the rest of the psalm, he's going to give us four examples of people who are redeemed and need to give thanks to God through their story. All right. And so that's kind of where we're going to go is looking at these four examples. The first example uh, is found in verses four through nine. uh, And it goes like this. Uh, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things. So this first example is that of of people who have lost their way. All right, they're trying to find a city that they could settle, and as they're going, they're, they're going out, and they, they've gotten lost. They don't know where they're at. They're in the desert, and in case you didn't know, desert doesn't have, a desert doesn't have things that you really need, like food and water. And so they're out there. They're, they're starving to death. They're, they're going to die of thirst. They're not going to last very long, and in that midst of their distress, they cry out to God, and God brings them to the city that they are supposed to be settling, and he satisfies them is the very last part. All right, so that's kind of the example. And and all these examples really can be talking to us in a spiritual way. All right, these these things could all apply to us at some point in our lives. All right, these person that is lost, (coughs) they are (coughs) lost, excuse me, they are lost because they have chosen to go their own way. See, God, if they are following God's path in their lives, God took them straight to the city that they were supposed to settle. And so if they had been following God the entire time, they would have been there long before they were hungry or thirsty. But because they were going their own way, because they chose to go a different path, because of their sins in their lives, they found themselves lost. And if we choose to go our own ways, we can find ourselves lost in the same way. We can be lost in the desert, struggling to survive. And then in the midst of our distress, no matter how lost we are, if we cry out to God, God still answers because he loves us. Because even though we may break the covenant promise that we have made with him by choosing our own way rather than following his, he loves us still. And his love is enduring, and he wants to satisfy us. Jesus talked about this satisfaction. He was in Jerusalem, and he decided to go back to Galilee, and on his way, he decided not to go around Samaria like everyone else, but to go through it. And as he's going through, he stops at the city called Sychar, and he sits at a well. And as he's sitting there, a woman comes out to draw us from the well. And he asks her, can I have a drink? And in the midst of their conversation, Jesus finally says to her, I can give you living water that will make you thirst no more. Our Lord satisfies in a way that we don't even understand. And if we will follow his paths, we will find more satisfaction in a place where we can settle down and a place where we can be his people. 
So that's the first example. The second example is found uh, in verses 10 through 16. Uh, it comes, says like this, Some sat in darkness and utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains, because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and, they were, and, and there was no, no one to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and he cuts through bars of iron. Probably what's in the back of the mind of the psalmist as he's writing this is the exile, where the children of Israel were taken to Babylon and many of them thrown into prison. And the reason they were taken there was because of their sins. When we sin, we find, oftentimes find ourselves in a prison. The reason why it's so hard sometimes to break away from the sins that, that we are so uh, mired in is because sin is a prison. People that lie over and over and over again to the point where they don't really know what's real and what's, what's not real, they find themselves in that place and where they cannot do anything but lie because sin is a prison. Those who have struggles with gluttony and they eat and eat and eat, and they, even though they may say, I'm not going to overeat again, food is placed before them, and what do they do? They eat. Because sin is a prison. Whatever sin it is, the addiction that comes with it, whether it's something devastating like alcoholism or, or pornography or even something little, the reason why we have so much trouble breaking away from it is because sin is a prison. And the only way we truly are able to break away from this prison is by the grace of God. When they cry out to God in the midst of their distress, and it's God who breaks the bars and breaks the chains that were holding them in. Paul talks about this in Romans 6, when he says that when we are united to Christ, we are united to the point that sin no longer has control of us. Sin no longer is our king. Sin no longer is able to enslave us. <coughs> and... When we find ourselves in sin, we find ourselves just like these people here. And it's only through crying out to God that we can be set free. The third example is found in verses 17 through 22. It says, Some became fools from their rebellious ways, and they suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They load all food and drew near the, deaths, the gates of death, and they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them and he rescued them from the grave let them give thanks to the lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind and let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy this third group of people are those who have suffered sickness because of their sins not all sin sickness is a result of sin but there is instances where you are sick because you are in sin and God, uh, these people, they, they've, whatever their sin is, they've, they've resulted in, in afflictions where, where they are just at the gates of death, one foot in the grave, if you will. And in the midst of this, they cry out to God 
and God heals them. They're told to do something a little bit different here at the very end. They're told to go and to take stank offerings to the, to the, the temple. And the reason why they're to do this is because the sacrificial system at that time, when you were healed from something that was devastating, like leprosy, you were to go and to give praise to God for what He has done. Again, this word, give thanks, in the form of a sacrifice. Having joy in your heart at the freedom that you have because of what God has done. The fourth example uh, is found in verses 23 through 40, or 32. It says this. Some went out on the sea ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the work of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. And he spoke, and he stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up on the way have, up to the heavens and went down to the depths. And in their peril, they, their courage melted away. They reared, reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt in the, him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. This last one maybe he has in the back of the mind the story of Jonah. As he's running away, a storm comes up on the sea, and it's not until they throw him off that the storm is calmed. As they cry out to God, God, don't let us be responsible for this man's death. Maybe that's what he has in the back of his mind. Sometimes storms come, sometimes in our lives because of sin. Sometimes, sometimes storms just come. And we're tossed to and fro, and we have no idea what we're going to do or how we're going to survive, whatever our storm is in our life. It's in those moments when we cry out to God that He calms those storms. All four of these uh, examples, they, they have a repeating pattern to them. Uh, in the Old Testament, especially in the wisdom literature, if something is repeated over and over and over again, it means it's important. And I think this pattern that we see throughout these four examples, they are given so that we know what we are to do when we tell our story. Every one of these stories starts with the people and the distress that they're in. Some are lost in the desert. Some are sitting in darkness in prison. Some are afflicted with all kinds of sickness. Some are at the sea, and the sea is storming around them. They're all in distress. And out of that distress, they cry out to God, every single one of them, God, you're our only hope. And God comes, and he, he brings them to safety. And then the last thing in all one of these stories is the command that they are to give thanks because of the loving God and all that he does for mankind. When you tell your story, you need to tell these four things. Not just when you were first saved, but maybe in your life you have been in distress. 
Maybe you've come across things. Maybe it's a storm, not because of anything that you've done. Maybe it's sickness because of sin. Maybe it's a prison that you've imprisoned yourself in because of the sins in your lives. Maybe you've been lost, not knowing where to go. What is your distress? And share that distress. And share how at that moment of distress, when you had nowhere else to go, you turned to God. And He saved you. And by sharing your story, you're giving thanks to God for what He has done in your life. What is your story? The psalmist in the rest of this passage, uh, in verses 33 through 43, he's going to be just talking about all kinds of different things that, that people have gone through that God has shown how powerful He is. If you want to, you can read it later. They're all focused on, on how amazing our God is, how good our God is, how loving our God is. And I think in our lives, we need to stop for a moment and consider what has God done for us? What has He done in each and every one of our lives? And I think that what the psalmist is trying to, to tell us to do is not just to think about it and maybe even write it down, but to share those things with other people. Part of giving God glory, part of giving Him thanks in our lives, is telling people what He has done for us. And as we come around Thanksgiving time, yes, we should give thanks saying, I appreciate God what you've done, but we need to tell people and give thanks to God, to the community, and to confess what God has done and His acts in our lives. And by doing that, we give Him glory. What is your story? And more importantly, who do you need to share that story with? Will you pray with me? God, we're grateful for your redemption in our lives. We're grateful <coughs> for the power that you show for your loving kindness uh, even when we fail god in the midst of our distress we know that you save and father god i pray that we do not uh, allow these stories of ours to just remain in, inside us but we allow them to be shared help us father to have the courage to share our stories with those in our family that need to hear with those who are, uh, we're working with that need to hear. Lord, let us give you glory this week through our stories. In your name we pray. Amen.